you are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome. You are Locked On to the NBA. I'm Nick Angstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast and the lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube. And joining me for the first time, it's Brandon Clean, host of Locked On Suns. Brandon, what you got for me? I, I got a lot of... Uh stories of being very tired i just graduated school and been diving into the nba wnba all of it so uh, I'm, I'm happy to be on locked on nba to uh spill spill everything people are wondering about over here in phoenix what a time what a time the phoenix suns back up in the in the lottery got a top 10 pick graduating school the uh the mercury day. should be good this year the phoenix mercury in the wnba it's good i mean it's nice to switch gears to be honest with you like I mean, we're going to talk about some fun stuff today. That's part of the offseason, right? But, like, I need some breathing room from the Suns team. So <laughs> get to see a good a good team, the Mercury, who could win the championship, and get to see some guys who are, uh, you know, some draft prospects who are really, you know, there's some positivity there. These guys are coming into the league, and they think they're going to be great, and I believe them. So let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's believe them for now. And, and that's been kind of – I went to Chicago – for the draft combine. So that's been my life the past few days. And we will definitely talk about the draft combine that Brandon went to, or Brandon went to uh, in the third segment. In the first segment though, we're going to be talking about some random Twitter stuff. There's been some Twitter beef back and forth with uh, Kevin Durant, Chris Broussard. So we're going to talk about that. We'll also talk about the all defensive teams, some snubs. There's some really weird votes. So stick around and listen to that. Um, Some really weird players got some votes. And so we'll talk about that. And then we'll also preview Milwaukee, Toronto game five, is uh is coming up in going back to Milwaukee, which should be interesting. Only the home teams have won in that series so far. We'll talk about that. Um, Brendan, Kevin Durant, a known. And you already start laughing. A known, a known Twitter observer, a known Instagram stalker. Just, just a guy that is just perusing, and he's not even tagged in some of these things. He's just, he just is either searching for his name or people send him stuff that that seems to happen to guys. I've, I've even been DM'd by players. And one time I got DM'd by a player's girlfriend, um, because I said something about a player and, uh, it, I didn't tag the player or I didn't even like tag him in the picture or anything like that. And I got DM'd by a player's girlfriend. uh, Yeah. The NBA, NBA player family Twitter is it's a nice little uh, infrastructure they put together. And they, they always, like, people text them stuff. So even if a player isn't going on, and so I'm kind of defending Durant in this, even if a player, you know, doesn't go on and search his name, or even if they don't have a Twitter, like some players don't have a Twitter and they'll still know things that come up and articles that are written because people will text them to it. Like their parents will just say, hey, did you see this article about you? And they're like, yeah. don't send me that stuff. I'm trying, you know, trying to avoid that stuff. So, yeah. but if you haven't caught up with this Kevin Durant versus Chris Broussard story, I have all of it for you. So this all started a couple days ago, Fox Sports Radio had a story, and it was KD's worst nightmare is coming true. Players around the league tell me they put an asterisk by his two championships. And Chris Broussard said, do you think KD's two championships will matter? It was just a segment they did on their show. And Kevin Durant responded to that tweet and said, I see a little exaggeration there, buddy. My worst nightmare? You sure that is the worst it can get? (laughs) And then Chris Broussard, the next day, on his show, responded, KD and I have a love-hate relationship. We've texted for two, three straight, two, three hours straight about life, basketball, media, faith, dot, dot, dot. KD has has gone at me much harder privately. We make a living critiquing athletes. It would be hypocritical of us to not be able to take it. 
Okay, let's just stop right there. It keeps going, but... Oh, there's more. There's so much more of it, but let's start right there. Why the need to say we've texted for two, three straight hours? What does that even mean? Does that mean... Like, when I was in middle school and I first got a cell phone, um, I would sit and, and text somebody, and we'd go back and forth, and I would just sit there on my phone and text somebody back and forth, right? This is yep. not like you text somebody, and then 10 minutes later, they respond, and then a half hour later, you respond, and all of a sudden, and then... What is that then? 20 minutes later, they respond. All of a sudden, like we had an hour conversation. That doesn't really count, right? No, I, to me, I was like, it did sound like middle school, right? Like call him. I don't know. Like it, it it did seem a little bit silly and, and just the need on his part on, on Broussard's part to like go straight to backing it up. I think that just speaks to KD, the the background he has of all these controversies. Like it wouldn't be May in the NBA without one of these, it feels like, but, but, um, it was it was kind of funny that Broussard jumped right to like defending that he actually like he showed the receipts almost in a way right away here, and that that was funny to me because it was just kind of unnecessary. Like we believe you. I mean, I, we know KD lies about this kind of stuff. He pulled the Chris Broussard pulled the old Stephen A. trick where he goes he goes he is one of my best friends in life. You know, but, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. then he goes on and says something negative about him and says it'd be hypocritical of us not to be able to take some of it back. So then Durant claps back, uh, quote tweets that tweet. It's a video of Chris Broussard saying these things, saying that they text for two, three straight hours and that KD has gone at me much harder privately. Um, He said, cap, 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 dot, dot, dot. You don't have my number, man. Beautiful. I don't understand much of that tweet at all, but... What's funny again is in, is in Broussard's on the defensive again, which makes me honestly believe him more because he's not just like getting hard-headed about it. And then he says, IG DM, Twitter DM, text, it's all the same thing. So clearly, like, they didn't actually text. Yeah, he said, nowadays, and, dude, don't act like I'm lying. So Yeah, don't act like I'm lying. It's like, okay, well, then you weren't actually texting, so you, you actually kind of were wrong. But it's so ridiculous. This is such a ridiculous story. This is the most Kevin Durant story I've ever seen. Whose side are you on at this point? Durant, which one do you believe more? Because either oh. you either you believe Chris Broussard that they did talk, and I, none of this has to go back to his main point about do his championships matter less, or is that his worst nightmare? I feel like his worst nightmare is people not talking about him at this point. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Okay, for the the championship ridiculousness, that's the most like we don't have anything else to talk about today. TV segment I've ever heard of, but. I, I'm on clearly on KD's side for that one because I don't think that's a pl- anybody's worst nightmare. As KD said, it, it, if that's the worst it gets, then things are pretty all right. But I'm on. I'm definitely on Broussard's side with the the larger thing of he clearly has had conversations with Kevin Durant because oh, so you believe him? You believe? I Broussard. believe him. I mean, come on, like he's really going to go on TV and then just make up this whole thing? He didn't have to bring that up. He brought it up out of nowhere. I believe Durant. I don't believe that he's talked to Chris Broussard. I think Chris Broussard made this up. I think it was Chris Broussard that came up with the story that Mark Cuban was driving around Houston trying to get DeAndre Jordan's address to go and try and find him in 2015. So ever since then, I think the city of Dallas is against against, uh, Chris Broussard. I have to to align with them. It's two guys who definitely don't have the best track record of complete honesty. So (laughs) it is tough to pick a side. It's not, it's not a great, uh, it's not a, a beacon of, of truth versus, you know, like a saint. It's clearly two guys that we have some history with of questioning. <laughs>
So, uh, yeah, like I said, I feel like this is just the most Kevin Durant thing ever. And it maybe I should also say the most Chris Broussard thing ever. Like, Ooh. it was pretty hilarious to, to scroll through today. And uh, I don't think it's done either. I think it's just going to keep going. No, no. And then, he generated his own content. He's got a week of stuff now. Speaking of Kevin Durant, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had a new profile picture put up on his Twitter. It was him dunking in Madison Square Garden. It was a great picture, you know, under the rim, you know, looking up at the ceiling and him dunking, nobody in front of him, just open skies. And then this guy named David on Twitter responds and says, and the Knicks are still getting KD and Kyrie. And so Spencer Dinwiddie responds, if that happened, we'd still be the best team in New York. Woo! How are you feeling about that? Do you feel like Nets-Knicks could actually become a real rivalry? The rivalry that... I don't know. We haven't really had a good New York rivalry in what since the <laughs> since the Yankees and Mets played in the World Series. I mean, when's the last time two sure, New York teams yeah. were good? Never. Not not as far as I can remember. But <laughs> uh, I mean, Dinwiddie's wrong, right? <laughs> See, he probably is. I mean, KD and Kyrie. I mean, they're really good. But the, yeah. my problem is, who else are they going to fill in around these guys? Because if it's just going to be KD and Kyrie, and then it's like Dennis Smith Jr and Mitchell Robinson, and they might have to get rid of uh, a couple guys just to, to add them. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> if they're going to try trade for AD, that's completely different, obviously. But Well, and even if they were to... I mean, okay, if they get all three of those guys, forget it. But, like, if they only get two of them, and one of them has to come via trade, like Anthony Davis would, that the roster is going to be emptied out, right? Like, we've seen that happen several times, and that can sometimes lead to these teams not being quite as great as we all expect. But... I mean, the Nets lost in five games in the first round, and they lost to a team who then lost in the second round. I, I as much as I'm, ex- I'm really thrilled to watch this Brooklyn team. I think they're going to be super fun. Spencer Dinwiddie's been an awesome story, making it in the league, got his extension. But I mean, talking about maybe the best player in the league, and then another top fifteen, twenty player. Like, come on. But the Nets could I also add confidence. somebody. The Nets could add Kyrie. If the Nets add Kyrie and the Knicks get KD, then we're talking. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see what the Nets can do. Like, even if it's a second-tier guy, they were already a playoff team. Granted, it's it, it's the East, and maybe that's part of the reason, but they're not going to leave the East. They're going to have an easier road to it. Like, if they get Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, one of those second-tier guys, like, it could be fun. I like, I like that he's confident. I mean, he has to be, right? You're not right. going to be in the NBA and – say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll probably be second fiddle at that point. Like, that would be the weirdest tweet ever. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's see it happen. Let's see both of these teams. Like, the big market, it, let's, let's all be honest. Like, it is it is more fun when these teams at least have some talent. We don't want yes. these guys at the bottom of the barrel every year like they have been. Absolutely. All right, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. But before we do, Brendan, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all over the place. You can also find it on the new Himalaya app. The Himalaya app is a new podcasting app. I'm sure you heard about it a whole bunch of times listening to this podcast. But you go on there, you select your interest, and it suggests podcasts for you. I think the, their suggestion features are better than any other you know, podcast app that I've used. So go subscribe to Locked On NBA, Locked On Suns, Locked On Mavericks if you're interested. Go do it on the Himalaya app as well as all the other platforms. Subscribe to get the podcast every single day because even throughout the summer, this is a daily podcast. A lot of podcasts take a break. We do not. We just, we sojourn through the summer. All right, Brendan, let's pull it back to the all defensive teams. They came out, they were revealed 
Um, first team all defense at center, Rudy Gobert. At the two forward spots, Giannis and Paul George. And then at the guard spots, Marcus Smart and Eric Bledsoe. And then in the second team, all defense, the guards are Drew Holiday and Klay Thompson. The center is Joel Embiid. And the forwards are Draymond Green and Kawhi Leonard. Do you take any kind of exception to any of these players? You can't. I think they're all, I mean, there's 10 amazing defenders on this team or on these two teams. Like the problem to me is, isn't so much that any of these guys aren't deserving. It's just, it's tough. Like, especially, you know, there's only two defensive teams. There's three all NBA teams, like for a a league that has hundreds of players in it, it's, it, there's always going to be snubs. Like to me, there's not really a snub. Uh, Pascal Siakam was one guy who I thought was going to potentially make it who didn't. Uh, I thought Draymond Green had a little bit of a, of a down here. I mean, that I guess you you punish him by putting him on second team. That's the standard he's set. To me, honestly, like the biggest takeaway here is it sucks to be a center. Like I thought Miles Turner had a, an amazing year and led that Indiana team that doesn't have a ton of guys you think of as incredible defensive players uh, to one of the top 10 defenses in the league. And he's not going to get on because there's just guys at his position that are so much better in Gobert and, and Embiid. Yeah, if you take a look at the guys that got the next highest vote total in each category, so the guards, it would be Patrick Beverly and Danny Green. Um, the forwards would be P.J. Tucker and Pascal Siakam. And then the center was Miles Turner. I mean, that could be a team right there. That, that could yeah. be second team, and, and nobody would really be that upset. <laughs> I mean, you could make a third team out of this, and it would it would make you know everybody would be fine with it, uh, which is very interesting because you think of the league now as an offensive oriented league everybody's scoring the pace is so fast but you still have these guys that are just these lockdown defenders that they don't stop somebody every single time but they do make things you know frustrating for other teams they do cause things to, you know to to be mucked up for other teams and um Draymond Green is the one that I look at that during the regular season if this is a regular season award then you know I don't think we can give it to him because he was not the same guy I mean he still is a great defender but I feel like a Miles Turner should have made it over him. Just get rid of the positions at this point, I yeah. think. I agree, like, especially on the defensive teams. The whole point of this, I don't let, let's not call it like a revolution, but defense has changed so much in yeah. the NBA. And part of the way that it's changed is the fact that it's positionless. The fact that in the playoffs every night you flip on the game and Chris Paul's defending Kevin Durant or, you know, Kevon Looney's defending James Harden, like, the point of being great at defense in the NBA right now is being able to defend outside of your position. So to have those teams be so rigidly defined by position is a little bit silly. I mean, and to to speak to, to Draymond, um, the numbers really don't even back up the fact that he really jumped off, you know, individually. I think it's just the Warriors defense slipping a little bit that makes us all kind of feel that way and watching the way he's turned it up here in the playoffs. But, um, and I think, it's, it's impressive. Go ahead. I think no one's going to have a problem with Draymond because of this last series he just had. I mean, if you yeah. you watch these last couple of games, and I think everyone did, you see how much Draymond Green affects defense. I just finished a breakdown video of this for Free Dawkins about Draymond. And just the things that he does, the, the way that he can defend in space, the way that he uses his length and he makes the right decision every single time to you know to stunt on one guy and to run up to him and then go back and deflect the ball and get in passing lanes, just the things that he does – messes things up so much for teams that you know we look at it now we're like oh yeah of course Draymond should be on there uh, because of this but you don't look at you know 
regular season and, and think back to the times when he was looking sluggish and you know wasn't in, wasn't in shape and all this stuff. So that's yeah, where that's where I think speak, the Draymond thing. It might just speak to the standard the Warriors have set for themselves, right? Where it's like True. the way they played this year, we just feel like it was such a disappointment, and it was. But I mean, come on, like. It might be, you know, it's one of those things too. We might look back, like if, if he weren't to make it and he didn't really slip that much individually as far as the production he was doing and the the impact he had on the Warriors defense in general, to to look back and, and this blip where randomly Draymond Green in his peak didn't make one of these teams would kind of seem silly. I feel like sometimes that's how it breaks down. It's crazy too to look just at the names on these lists. You know, Paul George, Giannis, uh, even Bledsoe, Holiday, Thompson, Embiid, Leonard, like the amount of two-way players. I feel like in years yeah. past, like there's a lot of specialists, guys who are just kind of known for their defense. Yeah, your Andre Roberson types. Yeah, DeJounte Murray last DeAndre year. DeAndre Jordan. Even Iguodala, like he's not an offensive force by any means, but he's he's made a few of these. Like the amount of guys that could also be on All-NBA and also are All-Stars and also – you know, score 20 a night. That's pretty crazy to me. That was one of the things I just saw kind of stepping back and just looking at the guys on these lists. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's almost like every, every player now with the, the whole positionless movement and all this, every player has to be a good offensive player. Right. <laughs> and if you yeah, get a good, de- if you yeah. get a good defensive player out of it, then it's just a, a major plus, but everybody has to be able to play offense and in, in some way, bring something to the table on offense. You can't have, I mean, your Robersons are kind of kind of bowing out of the league <laughs> those those type yeah. of guys your tony allen stuff like that even marcus smart i mean he can he shot really well from three this year and he was a point guard in college and can make plays and stuff like that so um, yeah the guys are kind of getting you like they almost don't even have enough minutes to be considered because they can't get on the court right. if they're somebody like robertson who obviously missed the season but those types of players just like they're not even playing they just can't stay on there so all that's left is these kind of two-way all-star type players Right. So here's the players that got the weird votes. Okay. You ready for this? James Harden got two first team all defense votes. We should just shame you. Like this should be public and people should have to answer for it. These absolutely have to be public. Um, there was a while ago when the vote or the votes were public, I guess they're still not public, whoever made them. But as Mavericks fans, we found out that one of the writers voted for Monte Ellis for all defensive team one beautiful year. <laughs> so and we all, all y'all obviously found out who it was because it was definitely somebody that wrote for the mavericks yeah. uh, but stuff like that it needs to be more open i mean especially the all nba because it's going to be you know affecting people's salaries and things like that we have to be transparent about stuff like this and i think eventually it will be and then we want to have votes like Steph Curry getting a first team all defense vote. Bradley Beal getting a second team all defense vote. Kyrie getting a second team all defense vote. Damian Lillard getting a second team all defense vote. And I think the one that made me cross my eyes more than anything else, Nikola Jokic getting a first team first uh, getting a second team all defense vote. Wasn't that the whole conversation we had all years that in the playoffs they're going to struggle because Jokic can't defend anybody and that's why they're playing Miles Plumley or Mason Plumley with them and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's not as bad as some people say. But no, I think he's still not good. I mean, he's still not a good defender. I just, yeah, because you would expect like some of these votes are just because they're, you know, they're team writers who don't necessarily get to see the whole league. And but even you so, know, maybe... if you if you only watch Jokic over and over and over again, you exactly. think that you would know better than anybody that he's yeah, not a good defender. Well, no, I, I mean, I'm what I was gonna say is like if you're just basing it on reputation, like there's some guys who keep like Kobe kept getting these votes for years because yeah. people remembered. 
if all you know is kind of like the narrative about Jokic, how are you giving him that vote? So it was crazy. The, the other one that jumped out to me, Jordan Bell, a second and a third team <laughs> vote. He barely played. He wasn't even in their rotation most of the season. He got suspended for a game and two guys gave him a vote. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. Um, yeah, barely played. And he was in there as a forward too, which is kind of weird that he wasn't yeah. in as a center, but I guess that counts. Uh, yeah, very weird, very, very weird. The, the all defense, the end of the ballot. Uh, I just don't understand Wh- what, what do you get out of putting James Harden on your first team all defense? Like, what comes out of it? Like, hey, James Harden, can I do a story with you? you remember, tell, yeah, remember, yeah, exactly. I did. You can it. tell him you did it. Remember, I put you all defense first team, and then another guy goes, "Oh, so did I." Like, oh, you were the other guy. Oh, I was. Oh, cool. And then James right, is like. Hey, uh, I didn't really deserve that, guys. <laughs> you think he'd be self-aware enough to know? For sure. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk briefly about Milwaukee-Toronto tonight, and then we'll also get into the draft. All right, Brendan. So, Milwaukee-Toronto game five. Both, all the home teams have won so far. And uh, now this is the just the second time all season Milwaukee has lost two games in a row. Uh, they've only lost back-to-back games once this whole year, so it feels like to me this is the first time Milwaukee's getting hit in the mouth by some, you know, by a team. And I'm very interested to see how they're going to respond tonight. I'm fascinated, especially kind of everything's working against Toronto except for being at home. To me, um, seems like kind of Milwaukee's just shooting themselves in the leg. I feel like, you know, they have the Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard injury. It kind of seems like he's having to play himself into form as these games go along. You know, Kyle Lowry is a question mark every night. The bench for the Raptors is is less trustworthy. Um, so it feels like the, you know, nothing huge to me has changed as far as what happened the first two to the second two games. I just feel like, you know, especially once the series went back to Toronto, the Raptors just executed, played, played harder, like simple stuff. Um, you know, I think the thing people will point to is, those minutes without Giannis and Chris Middleton, that seems like an easy fix. And I wonder if that's kind of the big thing that changes. And then, you know, the Bucks just go right back to it. Yeah, it's interesting. And this is the first time really that Giannis is having to play, you know, 30, more than 35 minutes a game. <laughs> you know, all season they've, they've done this, you know, the Warriors Spurs thing where you yeah. try and play them under 34 minutes or under 32 minutes. I mean, even before this series, I think he was averaging 32 minutes a game in the playoffs. <laughs> it's just it's just wild that they haven't had this situation yet where they have to deal with stretches without Giannis, and now they have to, to stretch his minutes out just a little bit more to, to limit those times. But Eric Bledsoe, man, we're going to need something out of Eric Bledsoe. I mean, you sign that contract. You don't want to be in, in Phoenix. I mean, I'm sure you know better than anybody. You end up in Milwaukee, and now this is what you wanted, right? This is the situation you wanted, and he's just not showing up. Yeah, he's he's really not. He's very inconsistent, and it's it it's the kind of thing I think where you can tell kind of right away what what version of him you're getting. He's going to play hard on defense. He's going to be active. You know, he doesn't hang his head down and just kind of give up. But he's just so hesitant on offense. Sometimes there were several plays yesterday, uh, um, I guess Tuesday night when he was he'd get into the into the rim or into the paint heading toward the rim and just kind of backpedal or, you know, pass out. And that's the kind of thing you have to be really worried about if you're a Bucks fan. And I, I wonder if they make a change. Do you think that we could see a change that that starting lineup? They haven't really done it ever since they put Miritich in there, but this is the kind of, you know, crunch time where we might start to see something like that with the way Hill and Brogdon Brogdon didn't have a great night Tuesday, but 
they've been playing well in this series. You think one of those guys, not instead of Bledsoe, but maybe instead of Miritich? Yeah, I think Miritich is the, the way that you go because you're you're going to need Bledsoe to show up. I mean, you just can't not have him. <laughs> you know that? Yeah, but just to have that extra playmaking, have another guard in there with him that's a little more you know traditional rather than that big lineup they've been going with. Yeah, it would be interesting, the the Brogdon for, for Miritich, which is their original starting lineup until Brogdon went down with that injury. So to go back to that, I think, is is what they're eventually, I hope, that they're going to do um, if you want the Bucks to win. Miritich is also just not shooting well. He's shooting 21% from three at seven attempts per game. Um, and if that guy's not shooting, then you're getting some, you know, like nasty defense. Like he's, he gets in there. And yeah, he, you know, physical guy. Right, yeah, he'll, he'll play hard. He'll grab some boards. But other than that, if he's not shooting well, it's kind of – I mean, it's kind of a net negative for you at that point. Yeah, the big thing to me, too, uh, kind of to watch, especially in that backcourt battle, if you will, like Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell have both really stepped up, plus 29 and plus 25, respectively, in that that last game. So those guys being able to just do something on offense when yeah. they really weren't – well, Powell wasn't playing, and, and Van Vliet just couldn't hit a shot. So to get some legitimate – scoring off the bench some guys who can do something with the ball in their hands where it's not if Lowry doesn't do it we're just going to be screwed (laughs) and they kind of have those other options now which has been big for them I hope that we get a random buck that that shows up like Norman Powell did for the Raptors and I hope that it's DJ Wilson I hope hope they just play him and they're like well you know we can't can't play some of these guys or somebody gets in foul trouble and they throw in DJ Wilson he just has a crazy game where he's dunking everything and blocking shots that's that's my hope for game five that's a good one. I mean, if it was Tim Frazier, I think that'd be the craziest. <laughs> that's like the most, that's just if you enjoy chaos, that's your vote. But I have been surprised we didn't see DJ Wilson. He, he did play for them in the regular season and kind of fits like, you know, being able to be a little versatile on defense, hit some threes. It's probably just too young to, to trust him right now. He's the Bucks Twitter, like, darling right now. He's, oh, yeah. he's the guy that everybody on Bucks Twitter is like, man, remember they, they stopped playing DJ Wilson for no reason. And he's <laughs> He's the guy that everybody wants to see. The rallying cry for yeah, the, he's the, answer, the, the fans who are on Twitter. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's finish up with your thoughts on the draft so far. You went to Chicago. You went to the Combine. How are you feeling? Where are you feeling that the Suns are going to go? How are you feeling about the guys at the top that you got to see? Yeah, it, it, Chicago was fun. Um, Chicago was kind of a crazy environment just because there's just a bustle of the whole league just kind of doing business, getting their first time in front of these players and – then they have the whole dynamic of very few of the actual top guys participating. Um, so th- it was actually kind of hard to really peg anything from from that in the top of the draft. But I got to see some guys today at, at a pro day in Phoenix as well. Jarrett Culver, Cam Reddish, uh, Keldon Johnson, who's a little lower down. But uh, I, I think it's going to be important for these workouts. That's part of the reason I've been trying to go to so many is like with the way the draft is fractured this year, such a clear guy at the top and then really questions, you know, you may be like Morant and RJ Barrett, but after that you could go like four all the way through the rest of the first round. And I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there's just changes from what we expect on draft night. If a team just falls in love or somebody shows up in a workout and all of a sudden some guy we never thought of in the top 10 is sitting there and, and a team really just fell in love with them. So it'll be fascinating for sure. Yeah. This, this draft is starting to feel a little bit like the 2003, 13 draft except for the guy at the top or maybe i maybe guess it's more like the anthony davis draft where you just have these you know it's anthony davis and then it was at that point it was anthony davis and uh, michael kidd gilchrist at the top which even michael kidd gilchrist you're like 
man, there's obvious flaws yeah. in this game if you're looking back now yeah. uh, in hindsight. But then everybody else under that was just kind of, I mean, there was some, some tears, obviously, but you have this this huge wide open. What are you feeling for the, the Suns? Who do you think that they're going to take? What are the, they're at six, right? They're at six. I feel like, to me, um, people clearly, you know, for good reason, want them to pick a point guard. That's kind of the expectation. If if one of the guys is there, they'll take that player. And one one of the three, Morant, Kobe White and Darius Garland figures to be there. They didn't fall so far that they're not going to have that chance. But uh, I, I feel like I don't necessarily know that they're going to do that. I think they have plans to add a veteran point guard. So I can see them going in a, a few different directions. Jarrett Culver is a guy that I think I like the most. And I got to see him today was shooting the ball really well and uh, was, was pretty polished on TV at the combine. So done as well as he could have for himself so far. I just, I just don't love the point guards. I, and I think that's kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, I don't know how you feel, but to me, it seems like just so team dependent. If a team needs X player, X skill set, they'll just go grab that guy. The thing, the guy that they think matches what they need the best, regardless of kind of where ESPN or whoever says he's going to go. Yeah. This is a really dangerous thing that, that teams do in the draft too, where they go and they try to draft somebody with fit. Um, I think the Mavericks are a team. If they had kept their pick, Isaac and I on Lockdown Mavericks have been preaching, you know, you can draft somebody for fit at this point in the, the Mavericks timeline, right? Sorry to use your, your phrase, the, the timeline. Oh, it's dead. It's dead <laughs> in Phoenix. It, it left with Ryan McDonough. <laughs> but but this is a, that's a team that could draft somebody for fit. They already have their two superstar guys. They would probably want to draft somebody like DeAndre Hunter or maybe Jarrett Colberg, somebody like that. Other teams that are up at the top, your you know your Phoenixes, your Cavs, your, your teams like that, you have to now you just draft the best player available, and to just go get a point guard just because you need a point guard, even though like you said, you're not in love with some of those guys, it's like in the NFL draft where you have a guy that or a team that just goes up and gets a quarterback, and they just pick a guy, and he ends up being like Jake Locker, <laughs> and you're like, we already well, threw we- New York enough shade here. We don't need to get into this draft, the Daniel Jones thing. Like, come on, you're just it being wasn't, mean now. I brought up the Tennessee quarterbacks. I tried, okay. I tried to All keep right. it away All from right. New York. But just to go up and get a quarterback doesn't mean you're getting a, your guy or a guy that you really like. But you, you filled the position, I guess. You're like, okay, cool. We, we got a guy, a guy yeah. instead of our guy. And and that's kind of what it feels like in this draft is that I think you just pick for you know best available no matter the fit on your team. I agree with you. And I think the Suns have been smart enough to avoid doing that. I think most teams are smart enough, right? Like, I don't think we see that happen too often, which is part of the reason, you know, I think six is pretty high for Kobe White. I think they just, you know, especially at point guard, like if they feel like that's the missing link for this team, you don't answer, you know, the biggest question on your team with a 19 year old, like that's never the solution. So I've always kind of felt like they want to target somebody older. And I think, the draft will kind of play out where they'll have a chance to get some of these uh, non-point guards that are a little better. And, you know, DeAndre Hunter, maybe another name. I think there's some good players in that back half of the top 10 that, you know, Phoenix is one team that'll get a chance at them. But, you know, the Hawks with their two picks, um, they could, I think teams will come away happy just if they do stick to what you're saying and just take whoever they think is the best. Because that's always, like you said, that's always the best way to do it. Yeah, and if you're a team like Phoenix or the, or the Cavs, you're kind of like, man, or even the Knicks, you're like, this is kind of there's kind of not a ton of hope in this because we didn't get the top guys. But there's always a CJ McCollum, there's always a Paul George, a Kawhi Leonard, guys like that 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 fall and end up being really good because they go to the right situation. 
the right situation for them at the right time. So just try and figure out who that guy is going to be, and hopefully your team gets them. So whoever whoever you're a fan of and you're like, man, I don't feel good about the draft because there's all these random guys. Maybe Jarrett Culver turns out to be the next Paul George or the next Brandon Roy or something like that. That's definitely the hope. And I think there's a lot of smart, like, successful players. That's one of the things that stuck out to me in this draft is, like, Brandon Clark, um, the guys we just talked about, Culver and Hunter, who yeah. competed in, in the national championship game. Uh, Grant Williams, who was at Tennessee. There's some guys in that, you know, eight to eight to twenty range who have won and are, you know, intelligent, good team basketball players. And that that's something that I think you have to look at if you're not going to get somebody with just this insane talent. You're thinking, okay, what kind of guy is going to get better, and what kind of guy is going to fit if he does have to really put in work and improve. And and I think there's a lot of those types of guys in this draft, which is one of the reasons that I'm a little optimistic that some of those teams that either fell or didn't have the season they wanted are still going to be able to find some good players. All right. So putting you on the clock, let's say that Zion goes one. Let's just say that. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. Let's just, let's go ahead and we'll pencil him in there. If John Moran goes two again. Don't know. Let's just pencil him in there. Say RJ Barrett goes three. Jarrett Culver goes four. Deandre Hunter goes five. The Suns are on the clock. So you have Garland, you have white, you have reddish, Brandon Clark, yeah, I think uh, I would probably pick Clark, which... That's a nice fit prob- next to, to DeAndre Ayton. Some people might roll their eyes at that, but I feel yeah. like he would be a really nice fit defensively next to DeAndre Ayton. And eventually, if, if Ayton is going to step out and hit a three like he did in college, I feel like that's a, a good fit. That's exactly what it would take. And, and I think you're betting on him being able to do that and don't have a lot of evidence that he can. But uh, just like we were talking about, it's it's a thing of... Who do you feel like is going to get better? Who do you feel like you can make it work with? And talking to Brandon Clark a little last week, the guy is about as as cool, level-headed, and intelligent as you could ask for. And I agree. Like Defensively, that fits really nice. And if if all you're betting on there is, is Aiton stepping out and hitting some threes, then, then you go for it. I think Clark's a guy, if you have that center, Towns in Minnesota is another one if he yeah. falls to 11 that I would love. So... He's definitely on my radar, but I think that's who I'd go with. Garland probably would be who they would go with, but I think I would go with Clark. And the Mavs are taking nobody because they didn't get to keep their pick, and we're not bitter about it at all. Not at all. Well, you guys got a pretty nice consolation prize out there. so We are totally fine with Luka Doncic. We're very happy with, with where it ended up. So, All right, um, Brendan, plug anything that you want to plug, Locked on Suns, wherever else people can read you, where your Twitter and all that. Yeah, at BrendanClean14 on Twitter. You'll find everything I do, but definitely just go check out our show if you're digging some some sun stuff, especially as we approach the draft. And you can find me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit. Um, Nick Van Exel still has me blocked on Twitter, by the way. Never interacted with him. I think he just searched his name one time, found it, thought I was making fun of him, and decided to block me. So you can find me there. Uh, I am also the host of Locked on Mavericks. You can follow us. We're going to be doing some draft stuff. We're also doing free agent profiles. So this could help uh, any free agent that the Mavericks are potentially linked to. We'll do a profile on them. So if your team is also doing free, also in the free agent hunt, if you have some cap space, you can come listen to our show then. Um, you can also find me on Free Dawkins. Free Dawkins is the, the highlight channel on YouTube. I do the breakdowns for them. Go to the playlist, breakdowns, and you can find all my breakdowns there. I just did one on Draymond Green. I did one on uh, Steph Curry's crazy game, Kawhi Leonard's crazy shot i've done a whole bunch of breakdowns just breaking down the film 
finding some things that maybe you had missed the first time watching it and things like that. So go find that. Again, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Overcast, Podcast Attic, and also the new Himalaya app. Go download the new Himalaya app if you want a new way to listen to your podcast and listen to Locked On NBA there, also Locked On Suns and Locked On Mavericks. Thanks so much for listening, and we will be back tomorrow, every day. That's the Locked On way. I can't believe I just said that, but... That's a, that should be our new that should be our new phrase. It's a great rhyme. Yeah, that's you just came up with the slogan. I think you got to wow. ask for some ask for a new check for that one. Yeah, send me in mar- send me to marketing. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown NBA. Peace.